Welcome back. Yeah. Uh, we've got a very exciting guest with us today. Um, he got his start in, uh, he, he left school, went to university and went into business finance. Yep. Then won a green card in the green card lottery, moved to LA, that's where I got to know him, and rose up the ranks there uh, working in a visual production company, ended up working for Sony, ended up as the director's attachment on Pirates of the Caribbean and Maleficent. He's back in Adelaide at the moment during the whole COVID crisis. He's starting his new trajectory into writing and directing. He's a good friend of mine. He's a lovely gentleman, Michael Healy. Hello, hello. Welcome, hello. welcome. Hello. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks what for being a here. big change. Like you went from finance and business into filmmaking. Yeah. Was that something that you always wanted to do or is that just something that no, you decided? So not, how, how did that all. change happen? Um, it, it happens... So I was in my sort of 23, 24 when the green card, because it takes a while for it to, once you win for it to process and all mm-hmm. that, it takes a while to come through. And look, growing up in the, you know, depending on the circles you grow up in and your family and your friends and the schools you go to, there's certain expectations. And mm-hmm. those for me were growing up in Adelaide, you sort of go to school, go to university, and there's, you know, there's five jobs, you know, lawyer, doctor, accountant, engineer, <laughs> those yeah. sort of, you know, there's white collar, yeah. get a safe, stable job yes. and all that sort of thing. So. Yeah. The ones we'll be putting our son through, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, don't totally. follow us, you'll be yeah. broke forever. <laughs> that seems um, like a bit of a consistent thing with people from Adelaide. Like sort of like follow your dreams, you can do anything, but also get a real job. Yeah. It seems quite consistent. <laughs> which, which is paradoxical because it doesn't always like line up and then so, yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> so I did, I did all that and then, you know, gone to finance and, um, you know, economics was the subject I loved the most at school. So I sort of followed, mm-hmm. did a business degree after that and then worked in stockbroking, investment banking. And there were two sort of things that sort of highlighted to me that it wasn't for me. One was I worked through the financial crash of 2007 and 2008. Mm-hmm. So the big housing crash in America and just, yeah, I remember like the day Lehman Brothers collapsed in America and the markets opened here. It's like, woo! you know, just <laughs> fell through the floor. And, yeah. you know, guys, I was working obviously the Adelaide office of a national firm and guys that had been working in that career for decades just got laid off like that. Oh, wow. And so that was the first kind of hit that, oh, I'm working for a giant big company in a white collar job, but there's no security and stability in here because yeah. mm. there are still factors outside your control and, you know, people just marched off the trading floor. Yeah, right. It's uh, literally that sort of saying of like you can fail at something that you don't love just as well as you can fail at something 100%, you do. 100%. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was like the first big sort of first big wake-up call and I ended up mm-hmm. changing to another firm. And the second part was what it came down to is, you know, you look around the room at the senior people and you either see yourself in them what you don't. Mm. And mm. the more and more I looked at them and, you know, on the trips, business trips to Sydney and Melbourne to head office and that sort of stuff on the bigger groups, you'd look at them and like, it's not me. This is where um, I want to be. Yeah. And I don't see myself as any of these guys. And and for some people, like, it's great and it's what they want to do, but for me it wasn't. Yep. Um, And on a whim at some point, I forget how I heard about it or where it came from, but, like, I applied for the green card lottery and I think it was, you know, this is like over 10 years ago, but I was sort of thinking about, you know, what else I could do because this is not me and, like, I didn't really know where I wanted to go. And film was, like, kind of a bit of an interest. Um, you know, always loved going to the movies. You know, I'd walk down and Hoyt's Nord is my local cinema. I'd walk down and That's watch films cinema. there mm. by recliners myself all the now. time. Pre-recliners. Yeah. That's so, like real cinema oh, buff, you know. Yeah. Had to rough it. <laughs> had to rough it in. <laughs> you know, no, no super widescreen, no formats, all that sort of stuff. It was just oh, back, even back when you didn't, 
couldn't pre-select your seat. You had to like line up. Yeah. They were the good old days though because now I get anxiety when you pre-select your seat. Yeah. And if I go in and someone is sitting in my seat, like, I don't oh. want to be like, hey, get out of my seat. So I'll sit somewhere else. And then anytime someone walks in, I'm like, oh, no, they're going to think I'm sitting. <laughs> I real. chose to sit in your it's seat. legit real. Like Tim yeah. cannot break the rules of the cinema because <laughs> nah. I always go and I like pick the seat because I can't ever remember which ones like you can put your feet up on the like chairs in front of you. There's like certain seats that I like specifically. Yeah. And I'll always try to pick them. But then if they're not the right ones, I'll be like, let's sit there. And you can just feel the tension of Tim like, can, can we just Every, wait until the movie starts and, and then we'll move? I'm fine to move then. I kind of like doing it just for that. <laughs> I love it. One of my one of my fondest memories there was the three years in a row the Lord of the Rings films came out, which were my final few years of high school. Um, you know, start to line up then, and so queuing yeah. up a few hours beforehand and chatting with the people in the line, like yeah, yeah. It's just, that's an experience you don't really get anymore because yeah. yeah. sort of people are walking because you've got your reserve seat, people are walking at the last second. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, I always had like a lover film, but didn't mm-hmm. never really considered as like a real possible thing. And you know, as you guys are aware in Adelaide, the film there's a film industry here. It's not big, mm-hmm. so it's hard to get exposure to that and go, oh, that's what people do, and that's what it's real. You know, you can make money doing this, yeah. and there's some jobs in that and all that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically the green card happened. Was sick of what I was doing, and I just sort of like made the call in 2012 that I wanted to get out of here. And start of 2013, I bought a one way ticket to LA, and I was like. I'll figure this out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I met you, yeah, then, 2013, I think. I reckon you were yeah, you had, paths. Yeah, you had just moved here, I think, and yeah. I had just met Tim and you were sort of a new friend, I think, of Tim's as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it was funny. So it was crazy. Between where. Tim and another friend over there, Ryan, you guys were like the two people I, you know, the two big vectors that I met tons yep. of other people through. And, yep. um, you know, through Tim, you were represented by a manager. Yep who shared some office space with an indie producer and that's how I got my first unpaid internship reading oh, scripts, wow. <laughs> um, which is great. That's a thing in America yeah. for those people who don't know. Yes. Um, it's changing a lot now, you know, with all the, um, you know, look, people are reassessing like crew and work hours and all that right. sort of thing. Yeah. But with the unpaid internships. With unpaid internships. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing even I reckon like when I was there in 2000, I mean I was there then, but also back in like 2008, lots of people got in big trouble because these huge studios that had millions of dollars were yeah. using unpaid interns for like, 14-hour days and things yeah. like that. It is taking advantage, isn't yeah. it? You yeah. know there's these young people that just want to, like, get their start in the one of the most exciting industries of all mm. and they'll do anything. It is hard, yeah. though, because, like, when you are young and you just want to get in, you don't really care. Yeah. It's no. when you get a bit older and you go, like, oh, no, nah, I need the money. That's yeah. when it's harder. I got yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, when you first go there, you're like, I don't care. Same with acting. Like, everything is for free in the beginning and you just, like, happy to be there, you don't care, but that is, I guess, in a way, taking advantage. In in theory, they're supposed to work that, I mean, a lot of them now, companies won't accept you unless you're in college and can get college credit for it. Right. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. And then in theory, you're supposed to only do the job that no other, if they they would have had to have paid someone to do the job, then you're not allowed to do it. So it's Um, more just, it's supposed to be 100% just you're you're there for learning, which the experience I had was good. Like it was a guy I just, was there a couple of two, three days a week and I'll just get a pile of scripts and I'd read them and just, you know, call, do co- what's called coverage, which is summarise the script and yeah. give a co- Everyone wants different coverage, but mm-hmm. the, this producer I worked for, like, it was just very simple, you know. Is it a $5 million horror movie that we can shoot in one location with four key cast and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing? And, you know, he'd, he'd sort of want a story summary and all that, but more like what's the business of it? And yeah, you know, So would you sort of 
these were scripts he already wanted to make or these were like, read them and let me know if they're any good? Read them and let me know if they're any good. Cool. So he'd yeah. get a lot of um, lot of submissions mm-hmm. and most of them, and that's like par for course across Hollywood, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. unless you're like a well-known writer or director or producer or a script's coming, you know, mm-hmm. with a serious attachment, like a big movie star wants to be on board, yeah. most producers have like interns and assistants reading the first batch. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you'll read like a dozen, easily a dozen, over a dozen scripts a week. Do you always oh. finish them, or are there some that you're like, I just know, twenty you, pages, you, and you just know. You just know. Yeah. You like you yeah. just know pretty quickly, um, and because you can tell like if it's good writing within the first ten to twenty pages, yeah. and yeah. then you sort of like read the first bit and like, see how it ends, and you sort yeah. of once you've got a picture and a shape of it, then you know you can mm. move it on. And in the indie world, especially like if there's not good writing and not good characters you won't get good actors to attach, yeah. so then it's very hard to get financed. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're 20 pages in and it's like no actor is going to want to say this dialogue. Like, yeah. yeah. You, you close the book, you move on. Yeah, move that on. That poor writer. Yeah. Back to the heap. <laughs> but it's a crazy system. It's like if you think about it, you know, the script is like the blueprint for building a building, right, yeah. For, yeah. for those aren't familiar with the film industry. Mm-hmm. And yet like the lowest ranked people are the ones doing the first round of sifting. Yeah, 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 true. No it's other true. industry structured like that. It's no. so yeah. bizarre. <laughs> yeah. They're the gatekeepers to the whole whole world. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Now, look, mate, you, we, things took a massive leap ahead from there. You, yeah. you ended up uh, as the director's attachment on Maleficent, yes. uh, the Disney, Maleficent 2 for Disney. Yes. And Pirates of the Caribbean 4. 5. 5. 5. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. There's yeah. And, and the, working on those major sets, that must have just been pretty damn cool. It was super cool. Uh, it's The coolest thing is, like, if you can imagine it, you can create it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got hundreds of millions of dollars. It's, mm. you know, on Maleficent. So Maleficent was the one I spent longest on, which was two years in London where it was shot, shooting out at Pinewood Studios, you know, where mm. they filmed all the Bond movies. Like, that was all mm-hmm. cool. And yeah, I was in this very fortunate position that, because I was part of the director's team, I was hired in American travel. So I got all like the per diems and living allowances and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. like, I was very well taken care of for two yeah. years because like those yeah. allowances are not, des- they're designed to pay someone who flies in for two weeks, shoots apart, then leaves. They're yeah. not designed yeah. to pay someone out for two years. So yeah. I, I was. But you didn't tell anyone about that. You're like, just yeah. we'll let it go. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> it, love a per diem. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, and so like, you know, let me, you know, Disney paid basically for a two-bedroom apartment for me in Notting Hill and, like, <laughs> I had probably, like, 20-plus friends come and stay with me during the time and yeah. it's great yeah. when you're in London, like, hey, you got a spare room, want to come stay? Like, all your friends come and visit you oh, so you don't so miss good. them all so much. Yeah. And there were interns working for free <laughs> reading those scripts. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think I, I don't think on that one because the UK, the UK is very strict on, mm. on hours and yeah. pay and, and crew and conditions and all that sort of stuff. But I think most countries are pretty strict. Well, not yeah, England, Australia, New Zealand, I feel like they're all a lot stricter. Like yeah. Going to America, you're like, really, this is legal? Even just like I worked as a bartender and you don't make, you make like $7 US or some places like $2.50 yeah. an hour and then plus tip with, she meant to claim and everything, but like most people don't yeah. claim it. You You're did, just of like, course. I did every single yeah. time. Um, Always filed your taxes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually did. I actually did yeah, good, file my taxes. Good, I don't good. know why, because I didn't make any money, but like, still. Yeah. 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 America could be, I mean, for those listening, there's um, a potential strike that's going to happen in America with um, mm-hmm. the, all the below the line crew. But, so their union's called IATSE and yeah. they're trying to negotiate, you know, 
bigger turnaround times, more rest periods and all that sort of stuff. So mm. we could be in a period of change, which mm. would be great to see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a funny one because I do recall being on a set that I was I just loved. I literally did like a 19-hour day as an actor and I loved it. But when you're the actor, you're so pampered and so treated and treated so well and you have your trailer and you can take a rest and you can eat whenever you want. So it's so, so different. But I did remember thinking like, how's the lighting guy and like the sound guy like yeah. holding a boom for 19 hours? Oh, and, and like some yeah. of us have for lighting, they, you know, you could do cut, wrap the day of shooting, mm. they've still got another hour and a half of packing up the gear. Not mm-hmm. to mention they don't get the, I forget what it's called, the door-to-door. Like yeah, I had the like turnaround a 12-hour yeah, yes. door-to-door. So it was like, well, you've got time. Yeah. So does that not apply to crew? No. doesn't apply to crew. doesn't right even now. apply to every actor. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's what that's one of the things they're asking for in their new contract now is, is a guaranteed turnaround time from you know, day, yeah. you know, one day of shooting to the next one. Because you've got yeah. things like they could finish... They could have to be on set in eight hours, but they've got like an hour and a half drive home, an hour and a half drive back. Oh, They're getting like four hours sleep. Yeah, like, it's yeah. really bad. Yeah. And all the stories that have come out leading up to this potential strike are yeah. you know, stories of people crashing their cars from exhaustion, mm. people collapsing mm. on set. Like it's just, yeah. it's not sustainable. Yeah, and sure. I think people are starting to realise that. But yeah, in England um, and the crews we had, we, we shot 10-hour continuous days and we're able to do that in like a very sustainable way. You know, you have a rolling lunch in a window in the middle of the day and, you know, the first AD will call, like, bathroom breaks and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, mm. And everyone loved it because you'd we'd be 8 to 5 was our day and yeah. you could be home for a 7.30 dinner in the city. and Beautiful. Yeah, people mm. loved it. It and can be just a normal job. A normal where job. Where you get to make movies. Yeah. And have a normal life. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the director was very good in that, you know, rare, like, if he did five minutes overtime every, once a month, that was Big deal. Like he, he was just like, all right, that's the day done. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> yeah, nice. Probably better budgeting, really, because overtime is like they'd be part of you if you wanted to go home. You're like, oh, going into overtime. But then they'd be part of you that's like, yes, because you get paid more. Yeah. Like yeah. quite a lot more in America Yeah, for overtime. And Neighbours, they were pretty good about a schedule, weren't they? That's that's a machine. Yeah. That, it's, that it's is like, like a, a nine to five job. acting mm-hmm. gig, which yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> really Come in, is. do your thing, get out. Yeah, Not to mention you it. had school holidays. So for anyone that's listening pretty to America. Pretty much, yeah. They do two weeks every 10 weeks in school and they did the same thing at Neighbours. They get two weeks off every 10 weeks plus six weeks at Christmas. Mm. It's like the best job ever. Yeah. It's like a teacher with like acting Teacher, work weeks, yeah, actor (laughs) salary. (laughs) And, yeah, just being able to act every day. Mm. So that's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So with the, like, we'll we'll jump into this a little bit more after. Uh, we, We shot a music video on the weekend. Yes. Which you wrote and directed. One, pick up the pizza, hold there, bite, look in. <laughs> that um, that was very run and gun. We we jammed in four or five locations into one day. We it was a very small crew, but very um, tight knit. We're all in each other's pockets, you know, all helping out in the one thing. Yeah. I'm sure a multi million dollar production is the opposite of that. You've got so much time and so many people to do a very small amount of stuff in one particular day. What what do you what would you prefer? Like that um, full intensity shooting heaps in one day, or the luxury of time and people and money on the other end of the spectrum? Where where would you mm-hmm. like I, to fit in there? I like the more the chaos and the fast paced and the shooting um, yeah. on the big budget stuff. It's 
it can be great to have restraints, creative mm. restraints and budget restraints because it mm-hmm. forces you to think, okay, we've only got this. How can we make it interesting? Yeah. When you essentially have unlimited money and you can fix everything in post and whatever, it's like the day just drags on and like it's it less problem solving, yeah, isn't there? Yeah, it so takes forever to, 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 to set up. You know, mm-hmm. some scenes you're shooting like insane amounts of coverage that, you know, there's never going to be seen in the edit because, you know, for those listening, like, this is one of a big thing for me, but like editorial math is factorial math. Mm-hmm. If we're filming a scene, right, and it's say it's two people sitting at a table having dinner, and you've got five cameras, you do five bits of coverage on that. Mm-hmm. There are 120 ways you can edit that scene together. Huh. Yeah, because it's yeah. factorial math. It's five multiplied by four multiplied by three multiplied by two by one. Yeah, you add a six camera, it's six times five. So suddenly yeah. you go from 120 to 700 and something. Oh my god! Yeah, so. Wow. A lot of you picking the best bits from ten takes. Mm. Yeah, Holy it's huge amount. So a lot of it's doing coverage and hosing it down and whatever is like it's a false security blanket because mm-hmm. you're doing all this stuff you're never going to use and never have time to use. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes on bigger sets, like you can get like that because oh, we spent a million dollars building this, um, you know, medieval village with a running. Mm-hmm. We we did that in London. We built a, a fake river. Like dug a hole on the back lot <laughs> and had like boat engines and jets and pumps to pump like a fake Jeez. river going. Mm. And so like we better shoot it because like we spent all this money on it. So yeah. you're filming, 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 and then all that water got replaced with visual effects yeah. like, later on. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I actually crazy. know what you mean with the this. This comes from like going through the poor actor days. I felt like when I had more money. Like, just with wardrobe, my creativity was just like, oh, I don't know what to wear. You can buy more things and I don't feel like my creativity was very good. Then, the, like, the less money I got, the better my fashion got because I had to make it, I had to make do with what I already <laughs> had in my closet. I'd be like, brainstorm. I'll try those two things together. So I think that really does work in a lot, even with cooking. Like, I make some of my best meals when we have no ingredients in the fridge because I'm like, what can I do? How with can this? I some put spinach. these things together? Yeah, yeah. A tin of tomatoes <laughs> and an egg. <laughs> it makes you think a little bit harder. Nice well, what I like <laughs> most about bigger budget stuff is you get more pre-production, and yeah. that's my mm-hmm. favorite part of the whole process because yeah. it's everything's perfect in your imagination, yeah. and you start filling it down. But unless you're more pre-production, that you've got you've got 20 concept artists like drawing up sketches and that sort of stuff. And especially if you're doing genre or fantasy like that, you want to look at lots of different things mm. and you can go, mm. oh, like, what if we try their wings like this? And then they do a version of that. And so that's really cool and you can do lots of previs. So um, previs is basically like crude animation of what the scene will look like mm-hmm. for those that don't know. Mm-hmm. And so you can like, you can see the movie before you shot it, like whole wow. sequences of, um, and, you know, they use like um, video game engines so it looks like super real and like yeah. you just program in what the, characters look like and the things and you can yeah. have whole sections of it you know camera moves and all that sort of stuff like oh that's what you want to do yeah. and do i you imagine see that, that oh, so you go do you see that on the day like can you see that yeah just sitting there wow that's amazing you that's can cool. view that on the day and you can also do <clears throat> we can cut this excuse in. me um <laughs> some of the more advanced previews now is that you can have it um so say you can have it in camera on the day so say you're, we've got you, Jess, sitting in a scene, live action, and you're talking to, like, a little fairy character on the couch. Yeah. We can, in the camera live action on the day filming you, we can put the little fairy character on the couch and then you can watch that on playback. That's so good because mm. just as an actor, I've always wondered, I've never worked with green screen like that before, I've always wondered how you can really connect. And if you can't see how it's going to look, there'd be a part of you that's like, 
just because they're gonna look any good. So yeah. if you could just do one and then have a look, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I feel yeah, really connected definitely. to this little cute little thing now. That'd be cool. Yeah, with when we did Devil May Cry, they had uh, like a pretty rough idea of what Dante would look like um, at that point of the process. So when we were filming us in the mocap stage, then we could go and look at the like you're talking about, look at the yeah. screen and see exactly how Dante was looking. And because he was like a foot taller than me and about 20 kilos heavier in muscle, yeah. it, it sort of informed me of how cool that guy was. Poor mother. I don't know my mother, but if you're calling me a son of a bitch, you wouldn't be the first. Yeah. <laughs> so totally. I could then take that characterization out onto the mocap stage and feel like, oh, I know how this is looking. Don't worry about how you look. Just <laughs> remember... How he looks, so yeah, it That's helped so massively. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. And like that helps on bigger on bigger budget stuff. You can do all this sort of thing, mm. and I think it really helps a lot of actors because there's quite a range with actors in terms of those who can like you know some actors you can say okay look at that piece of green tape on the wall that's where the dragon is so yeah. talk to that piece of green tape and they're fine yeah um some are just completely lost but the more you can show them concept art and like previews of what the scene will look like and you know you're running and this is it jumping up behind you and scaring you like that helps yeah um yeah. helps helps a lot sure. because um i think as your your job is like as yeah, you know, I very much see film as a creative medium, and when you're directing or producing on one, you know, the creative team in charge is making sure everyone's on the same page with the theme and tone and visually. And mm. you know, you could be looking at the dragon, but you, you know, is it like an evil dragon, like Smog and Lord of the Rings, or is it like a friendly dragon? Is it like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, Pete, Pete the dragon. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when you totally. can see all that, you can react to it. Yeah. Go, yeah. Oh, it's a fluffy, friendly dragon. So that yeah. changes your yeah. performance for sure. sure. Imagine if you thought it was a fluffy, friendly dragon, and then you go and watch the film, and it's like a scary like, Godzilla. Cool. You're like. Oh, my God. <laughs> I look like the worst actor of all time. <laughs> Hello, Dragon. It's, it's funny how much that happens, but, like, you know, the, the director I worked for he, in one of his earlier films, I forget which way it turned out, but, like, they all thought they were shooting, a, like, a comedy western and the studio wanted, like, a horror western. It was, right. like, it was like such a big disconnect of... Oh. It's crazy I, uh, how, like, there's all this money and time, but, like, just not everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have a kind of funny audition story. I went to audition for it was an ABC show after I did Greek and I thought that it was like fully a comedy because it was just like a little bit naff I guess would be the word like it was just to me I just thought like oh my god this is such a funny show because of the way it was written but it was meant to be dead serious I didn't realize that it just was bad to me yeah and I went in and like had all this, like, comedy stuff, and I left and I was like, oh, I smashed that audition. Then the notes come back to my agents like, we just don't think she understood the material. And I was like, <laughs> hey. what? And then I watched the show like, oh, my God, I oh. I didn't read that right. Like, we they were serious. figure out what the show was. I know what What's it is, about? but I'm not going to say Oh, no. <laughs> you can tell me. Off- <laughs> a conversation for offline. I still want yeah. them to hire me one day. True, so, true, you know. True. Yeah. <laughs> so, mate, you've... um. You're the kind of guy that will set your sights on something and you will get there. And I say that because I've witnessed that happen already. Um, You rose up the ranks to the point of being a director's attachment on a multi-million dollar production. The new goal now is to really focus on the writing and directing. So in in a sense you've almost not gone back to the beginning because I'm sure someone straight out of uni that's beginning. Yep. You, you've got a lot of info and knowledge under your belt and contacts, so it's not the very beginning. But for you, the writing and directing is quite new. 
Where do you want to get to with that? And how do you see that coming about? I mean, I want to do $200 million Disney movies, <laughs> like 100%. Like yeah. I just, as much as, you know, there are the frustrations on set because it's not as fast paced and you do lose some energy and all that sort of stuff. Like It's still the pinnacle. I, I, I still the pinnacle. And I love yeah. the like, I, I have a fantasy sci-fi that's, I love those genres and mm-hmm. to imagine it and then be able to create it is just so awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the, the music video we shot on the weekend, if we mm-hmm. could, you know, if I can have that energy on the day, like everyone's moving and moving and moving and, yeah. you know, you don't have talent going back to their trailers and it takes them half an hour for the golf cart to bring them back to set and like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, like big budget stuff. Like it just, yeah. it just kills the energy of yeah. the day. Yeah, it, it's, sure. and, you know, as much as we can do cool things in visual effects and all that, I think, you know, actors' performances are what makes movies. It's the visual medium and we emotionally connect with you as seeing your characters and, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, you're rolling in like late in the day and like it's just doing take it's, after take. It's for like, sure. Yeah. And like I can that's, recall that, like having a long day where the break takes too long and you like kind of lay down, you yeah. wait, and then it's time for your scene and you're a bit like, I don't really feel like it. Yeah. And yeah. as much as you love acting, it's just that you've been like laying down for four hours and you just don't have that like... Whereas the, the sets where it was a little bit like quick, quick, go, like filming Lonely Girl, for instance, like the energy was always there because we never had a permit. We <laughs> often filmed for like an hour. As if you do that. And like, <laughs> like it's yeah, just, and it's, there's and no it's, time. And it's stressful on you that like 100 people are waiting for you to go from zero to 100 in mm. three seconds. Yeah, mm. it's like, hey, now can you cry like your pe- family has just died? You're like, hang on. Yeah. Like, let me think about it. I'm still full from lunch. Yeah, exactly, pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, like if I, if I can find a mix of filmmaking in that regard, that would be great. Um, how it happens is is a tricky one. I mean, there are many different paths and I think more than any other industry. Um, you know, the, I don't believe in the overnight success story thing that I, you know, I see I've been doing this since 2013, so to speak, and, yeah. um, you know, longer in the sense that, most people I met in Hollywood, I watched more movies than them and have read more books, which mm-hmm. is like great foundation for story and structure and all that. But mm-hmm. how to how to do it? There's you just have to keep throwing stuff against the wall and see what sticks. I yeah. mean, right now, in my opinion, like the gold standard is what I call like the whiplash model. Yeah. So Damien Giselle, who did like La La Land, his first film was uh, Whiplash. So he wrote the script. Everyone loved the script. Um, he said, "I want to direct it." Everyone's like, "Oh, we don't know. You're a first time director." So. They got a bit of money together and they shot a few scenes mm-hmm. from the script. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did get J.K. Simmons in to do those pieces and yeah. that was shown as a proof of concept. Yeah. So, like, I've written the script, I'm going to direct it, here's, like, a taste of what it will look like and people, okay, we're going to back you and put the money in. Yeah. So that's still the, in, in my book, that's the gold standard yeah. you know, as a writer-director, if yeah. you can do that. You know, outside of that, like, coming up the commercial world is is like a valid valid path. Like, you know, yeah. that's what, you know, Michael Bay and Ridley Scott and like, you know, those kind of, you know, Tony Scott as well, like those mm-hmm. kind of directors, um, that's the path they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, TV, yes, is more of a way now, especially if you're, you know, doing more like stuff for streamers and, you know, you can be like a produced, if there's a producing director on a TV show, which is basically someone that they will f- direct a bulk of the episodes mm-hmm. and, like, help manage and run the show. You know, sometimes you can be, like, their assistant and, you know, you, they might go after a while, like, okay, cool, like, you direct episode 10 of season three or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's a harder one to do but still possible. Yep. Yeah. Um, or you could, like, you know, do a short film that does well in the festival circuit and, um, you know, blows up that way and people love and go, okay, we want to try and mm. see yeah. what we can do and work with you on that. But it's... It's directing especially is very much a chicken and egg problem. Yeah. Right. 
it's it's uh you know what have you directed a feature before? No, then we won't back you. Know, it's it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's that sort of thing. So yeah. totally like same for anyone trying to get their first job at like anyway a hardware store. <laughs> yeah. Do you have experience? No? no, but could I work here to get that experience, please? Yeah, it's not easy. It's very very tough. <laughs> <laughs> very, very Same tough. with acting too. I mean, it's either you work yeah. for free on something terrible in the beginnings or yeah. you need to have a name to get the jobs that actually will give you some credibility to, you know, it's, yeah. unless you get sort of lucky like I did and then like, yeah. it's like, like you're saying, like overnight success, I agree with you, like overnight success takes a very long time. Yeah, you what's might that have saying? It. It's like it takes 10 years to be to, an overnight yeah, success. something yeah. like that. Like you might get it like I did, but it's not necessarily sustainable. It doesn't no. necessarily last yeah. your whole lifetime. Mm. I try and explain so. to my parents and family who are not super familiar with the entertainment business, it's been like, okay, I was the chief of staff or like, you know, to the prime minister. Yeah. And now I've quit that. I'm running for parliament myself in some backwater seat. Yep. In a in a in a state where it's you know it's a, it's just fifty fifty hard fought seat, yeah. and like you go you know I want to be the prime minister, but like you yep. have to like this go, is the journey, this is the journey, journey back yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good analogy. A, yeah, so yeah. not for me because I'm like, oh, I've lived in too many countries. I don't get the, the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like politics. So who's the president here in Australia? No, no, no. <laughs> so we, we yeah we call it well chief of staff is like what they call it in America, but here it's the something. Deputy Prime Minister. Minister. I don't know. That's just oh, a word I've heard. <laughs> it's something, something like you're you're basically like the highest level like non-elected person in the cabinet, mm-hmm. right? And you have this weird blend of like you don't have authority over everything, but you kind of have to guide things. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's yeah. how I try and explain yeah. it to my family. It's that, like, that's a good analogy. Yeah, um, yeah. And for, for me, at least, like I've gone about it. Like directed a short film, which I got to finish doing the post on last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I shot that in LA on like. One weekend back from like London, mm-hmm. um, probably spent about eight grand US of my own money on production. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a lot of that was because I probably could have done it for a fair bit less, but um, I was sort of jammed in terms of like when people's availabilities were and having to book a location and then yeah, um, that sort of thing. So you sort of you pick and choose your battles yeah. and get it done. Yep. Um, so did that and probably spent another couple of sort of $3,000 or so on putting it into festivals, mm-hmm. um, which sort of achieved my goal there that got selected for a bunch of festivals, won a couple, like, you know, smaller stuff and yep. all that, but can call myself an award-winning filmmaker exactly. now. Exactly, that's the first yeah. step. Yeah. It's part of that campaign for that exactly. backbench, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so did that and then um, film's a collaborative medium and so you kind of work with, you know, friends and people you know to do other piece, bits and pieces. So. Mm a friend who has been doing commercial work in America for a while but predominantly like animation-heavy stuff um, and not really like he would uh, do jobs where the brief was mostly already written. Like he wouldn't like write many briefs or come with a creative. Yeah, we're we're collaborating together on some commercials for the AFL that we we won them earlier this year and been working on those. And, yeah, you just kind of piece the bits together and then, you know, use those to get the next job. And Yep. Um, Keep on trucking. Keep, keep on building it from that. Um, yeah. That's cool. I have a question for um, for any of the actors listening because I'm sure there will be a few. Yeah. What do you think makes an actor someone that a director would want to work with again? Is there, like, something specific that stands out that regardless of necessarily how amazing their acting is, as a person on set, is there something? As, as a person on set, so, like, if your goal is to be on, like, very bigger budget things, which, are, you know, they can be... 100 plus day shoots like that's a lot of time you're spending with someone in like an intense manner yeah mm. um you've probably heard of like the the, the holy trinity which is like 
be be talented, um, be on time, and be nice, and you only need two out of three of those things. Oh. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Wow. Um, on on like the biggest stuff, you know, you do need do need like I've seen the difference between like a Tuatha for like his acting talent, where mm-hmm. you can just you know there were some script lines which were like I was looking at the page like whew, this is this is a rough scene and he he spun those words into magic I was like oh, yeah. just you know watching his performance on the on the monitor like I believe like it's just <laughs> yeah um so that's that's something you it's a skill you can work as 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 an actor and build that and um but in terms of like being someone I want to work with like someone that's easy to get along with and is collaborative so if, you know the director or someone comes to you and says hey can we try a version like this like you're open to it and you're not mm-hmm. sort of um, you know, you don't have ten thousand hills that you want to die on and be like, no, this is <laughs> this is my way and this is how I'm doing it. And you have some great expressions. <laughs> <laughs> that that's an important part, and also to realize for film, you know, if you've if your training is an actor, like you did a lot of theatre, for example, mm-hmm. um, do recognize one of the big changes for film is that uh, you know the camera might be punched in super close on your face, and you're doing like a lot of movement and that sort of stuff with your body. Like, be aware of framing and how the camera moves and works and that sort of thing. So the yeah. director comes up to you and be like, "Hey, that's great, but like, all your emotions in your hands and your body movement, can you put that into your face? Like, yeah. for example, that's that's yeah. a big one. Yeah. yeah, I like the three. That that's a that's a good one. I think the, whole, yeah. the holy trinity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the holy trinity yeah. of acting, filmmaking. Um, yeah, yeah. Someone that's got like. You know, ideas and and it's cl- I keep saying the word collaborative because mm-hmm. like to me that's what film is. So yeah, you know, you you as an as an actor, you prepare mm-hmm. and go. Here's the character, and here's what I think, and you go with the director and go, and then you can sort of work together and go. This mm-hmm. is what we, mm-hmm. we want to do. Almost yeah. 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 It definitely is collaborative. I think that's one of the things I love the most about filmmaking is where, where on any other job would you have 10, 20, 30, 40 people all centred around the one thing that's going on. Yeah. And that's the awesome thing. Everyone there, it's like a party. You're all there focused on that one scene or that one take or whatever it may be. Whereas other jobs, I guess you're probably always all doing your own little thing. You have your board meeting perhaps, but then you're back into into your zone. Mm. So I love that about filmmaking. Yeah. So everyone, we're all in it together. Yeah, all so, in it together. And, mm. and as someone that's, you know, done a hair's fraction of acting in some confectionery commercials back in the day. I've got to find these. How are we going to put those in the video? (laughs) They're on YouTube somewhere. Um, I really think like acting is one of the hardest jobs because, you know, something we call action, like everything's on you to like pull it out. And, Mm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's the chain and then the link that if it's not working, it's like, we just, we got to keep going until it is working. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So being able to handle that pressure is, is another thing, really important part of, being an actor mm-hmm. and, you know, as, as a director, I'm like here for you and, you know, shoulder to cry on and like help you get you through all that and, and yeah. try and support you as much as possible. And um, yeah. if someone can do all those sorts of things, like they're going to have a great career. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, look, I would hire you. Yeah. Like and, and I feel like I'm like, oh, can I put you on something? I don't have you a can production me. company, but yeah. like yeah. <laughs> can I give you a job as a director? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. One day, and, one day. And, and don't lose that um, support. For the actors, because that's huge. Like mm. that, I think as an actor, you do feel like you are that link in that chain. And yeah. there is a lot of pressure yeah. when those 20, 20 when 30, actions. 40 people do yeah. fall silent mm. and it's just down to, to you and a couple of others. There is a lot of pressure yeah. and you don't want to mess it up. So to know that there's a support yeah. uh, looking through the monitor, that's that's a massive thing. And mm. that, so 
always hang on to that, even when you're on the $200 million films. Yeah, yeah and, and the, for those listening, like the trickier thing about the bigger budget, we could be on day 35 of shooting. Um, there's a rewrite. You know, mm-hmm. we had eight, nine writers come through on one of the movies. Like things change all the time. Mm. Of, of people seeing cuts and edits and notes and things shift. Yeah. Oh, we need a scene with this sort of stuff. We need a character. Boom. Suddenly you get a you get a request from your agent to put in a tape on like a Friday night. Mm. We're flying you out on Sunday. You show up on Monday morning. Yeah. And you're showing up on a group of people that have been shooting together for a couple of months already that have been yep. pre-production for a year mm. like you are such an outsider and yep. i think like if a director if you can sit down and say hey mate like i'm with you on this like yep. i'm mm. your friend pal you know yeah. understand that you've got no context as to all the history of the production yeah. and what's been going on and and you know all that sort of stuff and just sort of sit with you and be yep. that and because that can definitely feel weird when you do lob in and everyone's like hey dougie how about last weekend when we did that thing like there's yeah. a camaraderie <laughs> and and you do feel a little bit left out. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it definitely is nice to have someone just say, take you under their wing and say, yeah. you're in, in this as much as we are. That's cool. Mm. And I feel like if you as a director can sort of, uh, I don't know if you might know something like the video we shot on the weekend, but like I just, I dislike sitting in sort of video village with all the monitors and calling things on the radio. Like, just give me a small handheld thing and like, I want to sit like yeah, with the actors. There. Yeah. And, and sort of like, hey, I'm with you. And, and as, if I can get them as comfortable as possible so they feel like they've got a safe space to create and like, oh, I'll try this or that or what, you know, mm. throw this out. And like, yeah. we're shooting digital. So, like, if you want to, on take three, if you want to do something completely left field, like, go for it. Like, yeah. In the end, that makes you look better. So, <laughs> yeah. like, why, why? go for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so, another segment. New game. Well, new game. New game. Yeah. Bit of fun. It's fun. Game time. Because I heard yeah. that you're quite into your sound uh, soundtracks and scores and everything and so is Tim and so yeah. am I. But uh, I already know the answers to these. So I'm going to play a couple of soundtracks and you okay. guys have to try to guess what they're from and anybody listening. Do we just yell it out or have to like? You have to wait for it to finish just for editing. Okay. Um, <laughs> so if I know listening. you're big into your soundtracks because yeah. you know how Spotify does the um, your yearly summary? Yeah, yeah. I remember you shared yours to Instagram that um, I think a couple of soundtracks were top top five or whatever. Yeah, up there. And my algorithm now see? is completely stuffed because <laughs> my first couple of tracks will be like, Wiggles. Yeah, Wiggles. Is it Michael Finnegan? Uh, Michael Finnegan. Mm-hmm. I just had a blank. Yeah, my number one track this year will be Michael Finnegan. I can Is there not? So you're on Netflix, there's like a kids mode. Is there not that on Spotify? No. Oh. I don't think so. This should be. Because, yeah. yeah, mine's pretty much that. And it's going to be I Like to Move It, Move It from Madagascar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, here we go. Hit it. First oh, song, here we go. Make it louder. Wait, we'll start it again. When you know, put your hand up. I think and I know already. Can, yeah, I reckon. You think you know it already? Okay, what? I thought this one. No, 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 not yet. Oh, you think you know already? Well, if he thinks he does. I think I know. Do you want me to say? Yeah. Is it from 1917? No. Oh. Oh. <gasps> oh. Now I know. Okay. Keep, keep playing. Okay, keep playing. Can, can I... Starting again. You want to go? I'm going to go. I'm going to say Dunkirk. Yep. It's from Dunkirk. Oh. You gave it away. <laughs> it's, it's that. It's that. It's, I was going to say similar, but yeah. It's, it's that best. spinning, ticking, ticking clock motif he plays. With. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. It is such a good score. That's probably one of my. I love that movie oh, for man. one, but the soundtrack, like, oh, yeah. it just gets me. I feel like I was crying the whole Did movie. Did you get to see it in theatres? Yes. I yeah. saw it twice. Yeah, you went twice. It, I like, loved it. vibrated my body. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think love it. My brother Josh said he saw like a behind the scenes on the that music. They designed some sort of ticking that 
it was sort of wind down and then start at the beginning again without you noticing. So it just always mm. feels like that ticking sound is like building, catching up with you, yeah. even though it never gets there. So I'm pretty sure that was Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. So Good he does a lot Hans. of yeah. Nolan's films and yeah. um, he's they're very, you know, that has Nolan's film work, but he's very big on not just having score there, but having score that works like thematically and structurally. Yeah. So, you know, in, in Inception, that um, French song like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's the same song that they slow down to like one two hundredth time for when they go deeper into the dream levels. Really? And that's why that's all that distorted music is like the same song sped up and slowed oh down. Oh, my God. I so nearly like, picked Inception. And they yeah. pre-planned that that would sound good yeah. at different Different slow down speed. So you know what level of the dream you're on by mm. how fast the track is playing. Oh, I want to watch, watch it again. That again. <laughs> <laughs> and watch that. Something good feels Next okay. track. Next track, Next yes. Track. Next track. It's familiar, but I can't place it. Yeah, the, it sounds like another Hans track. See, it seems a bit Batman esque. Oh, <laughs> I'm drawing blanks. Clue. Keep playing. Keep playing. Keep playing. Continue. Yep. Okay, we got another ten. We tapping out. It's it's uh, it sounds like a Hans Zimmer track because of like the, the clapping yeah. thing. It does have which that is vibe? Like, you were on the right track with a sort of Batman, Batman vibe, but it's not Batman. Is it a superhero type movie? It's more no. Batman world. Oh, Batman world! Come on, Batman. So is it like it's Suicide Squad? Is it uh, not Suicide Squad? I'm surprised you didn't get this first. I was like, Watchmen? this is so obvious. No. It's like your favourite soundtrack. Oh, from Joker. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that is Batman okay. World. Batman World. Hilder, <laughs> I can't say his last name. Hilder. Uh, it's a female. Oh, that's right. It was. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I can't say her last name, but yeah, Escape from the Train. When he yeah. escaped from the train. Yeah. <gasps> oh, what a soundtrack. What a soundtrack. Such a good soundtrack. But yeah, it's so similar to Hans Zimmer. I actually thought that it was. She, she yeah. may have been a protege of his. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah that rings he's, a bell. he's... Champ, he's great for prospering the craft. Like he champions a lot of mm. people up, and then nice. Yeah, uh, yeah he does a masterclass as well, so he must. That's like right. The, you were listening to that. the teaching. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'll do one more. She I was, won an Academy I had Award as well, more. by the way, for that. She did. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I was going to do two more, but I'll just do one. Okay. Oh, this more. one's a different pace, Ooh. but it's a good one. <laughs> Sounds Disney esque. Um, like older Disney. It's got an older Disney vibe, doesn't it? I'm seeing like little birds tweeting. <laughs> oh, fast forward a little bit. Because I realised I was meant to start at this point. Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians. Oh, oh no, this yes, bit. Something sweet. You guys are all guessing during the song. It's going to be silent. 
<laughs> we'll be able to, we'll, we'll cut that in. That'll yeah, be definitely easy on, in the editing definitely process. Definitely right in the Disney world. It's uh, older, but it's not old. Okay. It's in our in our adult lifetime. Okay. Mm. Oh, that adult. song goes throughout the whole thing on and off. That Enchanted? Do, 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 do. No, up. Up. Oh, you got it. That's you, what I want. You knew. Nick got it. Ah, producer knew. Up. up. Got yeah, it's a great soundtrack. They won the Oscar. They did as well. Ten. There we go. We only yeah. did with the best year. Because I just like creative. looked up 2010 Oscar when I just like, because I just picked a year. Yeah. And that was it. Up. I got none, funny. none from three. Feel great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Didn't you get the first one? Can't half got it. Yeah. Well, I, I I picked the genre. You picked Hans yeah. Zimmer, but the wrong wrong yeah. film. Yeah, oh, you yeah. were so close. Yeah. Um, last thing while while we're still on this soundtrack, uh, favorite sound your oh. favorite soundtrack, Lord of the Rings soundtrack. This is no mine. It's a tomb. Lord of the Rings. Yes, I love yeah. it. It's, oh, I actually should listen to the soundtrack because it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite movie. Yeah. Probably seen them all like fifty times each. Yeah. Um, but from I, from any particular movie, or have they got like a broad one over all three? Because like the genius of that is it was because they shot all the movies together. He was able to compose wow. across like the whole three yeah. um, films. Oh, that's like so like all like the light motifs match throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Like there's different. Uh, musics that match up to certain key moments. Mm. It's just that's cool. Structurally, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that one and the Matrix soundtrack is probably up there as well. Oh, do 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 do. There's. been a while now. There's this insane video on YouTube where a guy interviews the guy that wrote the soundtrack for Matrix and how yeah. he designed it, and like it reflects like the logic of computers and the structure of it backwards and oh, forwards man. and yeah. Soundtracks are so cool. Like they yeah. really are. Like when you play a soundtrack at home, I feel like you can see the movie just listening to it. Like yeah. you just really, you actually see the movie again just listening to a soundtrack in order. Yeah. Such really an important clever. part of the film, isn't and, it? And totally. it's so hard to get right now because, especially on big budget stuff, when you're prepping edits, you have temp score in there. Mm-hmm. So it's an action scene and the editor will just throw in music to give it a vibe. But often yeah. a lot of the music is, oh, this is a fight scene. So they'll take, score from another movie for a fight scene. And this is, the public never sees this is just for the studio executives mm. and producers to look at. Um, but then everyone watches it with that temp score in there. That's what gets in their head. Yeah. Right. And so when your composer comes in, like they've got such a narrow window to sort of operate in because yeah. you change all the score up and suddenly the studio executives like, hang on, this is not the same movie, even yeah, though they yeah. know, yeah. even though they know they can't use a temp score. Yeah. yeah. And that's why you get this, this like negative feedback loop you see in a lot of mm. big budget movies like, this kind of sounds like another big budget film I've seen. But I'm not quite sure what it is. And yeah. yeah, our friend Marty did a temp score to the backing of the Dunes. Yeah, and uh, which is a film he obviously wrote and directed and starred in, and I starred in as well. Hey, uh, I'm Nighty, by the way. Oh, Nick, Nick Rice. And he finished it last night after five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Anyway, that's another story. But he had the temp tracks in the background and when he showed me, I was like, oh, my God, this film looks amazing because it had, like, the score to Inception or something. (laughs) (laughs) We're sitting on a real winner here, mate. (laughs) Don't care what I say, but, like. (laughs) Makes a huge difference. It does. It really does. That's something I think I would always spend the money on. Yeah. It's probably a bit of a. Not necessarily the money, but make sure that's someone that's a real talent. Yeah. You leave. To whoever. I think film know. lovers are very aware of scores, but maybe it's a bit of a thankless job sometimes for people that 
don't notice it because mm. it, it sort of happens in the background. You go, oh, God, that was a great yeah. film, and you tend not to think That's true. about it, the it's, score uh, maybe. As an audience, you, you don't notice a lot of things, and that's by design and you shouldn't, mm. but it adds to the experience. Like oh. Your subconscious is soaking yeah. it in. Yeah. Mm. It's only when there's... You know, the idea of like verisimilitude, like the truth that the film presents to you, mm-hmm. the more it starts to break all those bits of truth, that's when you take sort of one step towards the door and be like, hang on, this doesn't work. Because like mm-hmm. inherently, you know, you're sitting in a chair looking at a piece of blank screen yeah. and like... People pretending, wearing yeah, costumes. Like, I know I'm not in outer space. <laughs> like your brain clearly knows that and yet yeah. you allow yourself to be there. Yeah. yeah. But the more yeah. stuff you don't have that, that adds up to that, then you start mm. to break that... Anyone want to go to the movies right now? Like, oh my now god! I'm like, How good go are the movies? movies? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> you know, just I know we're wrapping up, but one thing you asked earlier was, you know, that's kind of how I see my future as a filmmaker, that kind of thing. And one of the things I want to try and do is, I very much see filmmaker filmmaking as doing the layers. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like when you get to the edit, like if a scene works without any music, like get it to work first, and and then add the music on later. Like mm-hmm. you know, I want to try and as much as I possibly can in the constraints of working studio movies, like avoid things like putting in temp tracks mm-hmm. yeah. and then bring your composer in and go, here's how it looks, like go for it. And like yeah. composers yeah. will love that because they, they can go, oh, this gives me so much flexibility rather than like, oh, you're just asking me to like to rescore another song so we don't yeah. get sued for copyright. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a weird experience. Have you ever seen anything that you've worked on with no background noise, just literally no. the same in audio, no sounds Ooh. and stuff? You, it does not seem the same. Like it actually Clunky. seems pretty shit. Yeah. yeah. Not that I've worked on like amazing Oscar films or anything like that, but still watching something without any background, anything. You don't realise how much is throughout a film the whole time. Mm. You just think like, oh, there's a yeah. song when, at a big bit, but there's actually often little, just very slight Yeah, quiet pieces stuff. and all yeah. that. Yeah. Do you know a film does that really well? Cars. Disney oh, yeah. Pixar, Cars. Yeah. Cars 1. Have you seen that? We've seen a long it. time ago. Yeah. We've yeah. seen it a lot. We've seen it about, about a thousand, thousand times <laughs> in the last 12 months and uh, that's what happens when you have a two-year-old. Mm. But it's, it is a really well-crafted film. That's we, a great we, film. We've got to do a deep dive into that one day because mm. we do enough, Go watch, enough backstory. Um, there's a film, uh, I'm blanking there, who plays Marty McFly in the Back to the Future films? Uh, Michael J. Fox. Yeah. There's a film he's in called... Doc something, and it's a story. It's basically like the same plot as Cars. Oh. He plays like oh. an arrogant doctor from the big city driving home. His car breaks down in a small village. Oh, you know, wow. Yeah. It's the same. It, you watch it, oh. and go, that's the same plot. Oh, really? <laughs> oh. Damn. Just yeah. ruined Cars for me. <laughs> well, mate, thanks so much for coming in. We, uh, we, yeah. We've had a fun week with you. We, we shot the music video on the weekend, which, you know, once that's out, we'll be able to um, show the world. Share with everyone, yeah. Yeah. Um, with uh, M4 Sonic, who happens to be doing our producing right now, and the man behind the B-cam. <laughs> um, so that was loads of fun. Thanks so much for coming in and, and uh, being a guest on our podcast. Yeah. You're a legend. Yeah, and the sto- your stories like your stories are so great and your insight is, I reckon, people are just going to love hearing about it because not many people get to hear about that side of the yeah. industry unless they're really immersed in it. So and it's, thank it's, you. It's cool as well because we're at the, the beginning of a new trajectory for you. Yeah. So this is, we've got the proof now. Got the proof. You know, and, and we, th- we can come back to this. I was thinking this week that like at, at two critical junctions in my life, like you've been there. So thank you. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm your oracle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you need another career change later on, just give just me a call. Give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> well. Brilliant. Thank you. Can thanks so much. Time to hang out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 
my tone. You can't step to my throne. They ain't working like me. 